Good morning, good morning, listeners. Welcome to Red Sea Roundup. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. All those good vibes and blessings coming to all of us over the Red Sea radio throughout all of Texas. I'd like to welcome, I'm going to go in reverse order. Usually I start with my own local people, but we're going to shout out to Palestine KINF 107.9. Welcome to all of our listeners there. KEDC 88.5 here in the Brazos Valley and KYAR 98.3 FM in Central Texas. Welcome and Happy New Year. Caleb, how's it going this morning? It's going great, Judy. It's good to be back in the studio after um, Christmas break. Took some days off. It's nice to be back here. Same here. Well, I'm, you know, kind of going through my memories, but since we recorded my last program to be broadcast at another time, even though this is really not my week, we're here. Y'all get Judy two weeks in a row. I'm Judy Como, your host. Thought I'd introduce myself. Yeah, that's prob- probably look, good. Looking in the mirror and say, yeah, that's me. Uh, welcome, everyone. Um, if you are a friend of mine, you know that I generally have to tell one story to tell another story, but... Today, the story is, my guest is Becky Kramer. Good morning, Becky. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. I am great. Um, I I invited you to be here so I could get to know you more and all of our listeners get to be inside my head and listen to get to know you as well. <laughs> well, we, thank you so much. <laughs> we uh, probably have about a maybe a two-year really high know-your-name kind of relationship, mm-hmm. but I've known who you are here, there, and everywhere with some of the work with Regnum Christie. So we're going to probably go through a couple of different hats that you wear, but my uh, real inspiration to twofold inspiration to have you come and talk to us is uh number one you're a sophomore now in the know, <laughs> diaconate right? formation um and we can talk a little or a lot about that and you are also a spiritual direction director and uh becky and i ran into each other at ace hardware over or right before christmas tractor supply one yeah. because uh, i went to all three of them that day <laughs> and had a wonderful conversation of things uh for our listeners, my husband has been a deacon in the church for about a year and a half now. So we've walked this journey that you and your husband, Michael, are on. And uh, it's fascinating for us to go back over some of the things that brought us to who we are. I think our our stories, no matter what that story is, is so important. Right. Even if it's just for our own self-reflection, I think. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me here today. Um, It is an important story and one that um, it's an unusual one. You know, I didn't think, um, well, backing up a little bit, this coming Easter, April, will be my 30th anniversary of being in the Catholic Church. So as a convert, finding myself here entering into the second year of diaconate formation is not something I ever imagined. <laughs> you know, thinking back when, you know. Same girl. Yeah, I know. 20-year-old <laughs> me thinking, oh, yeah, I think I'll, you know, look into the Catholic Church because the guy I liked, um, became engaged to, was Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, never thought this was the path that I would be on, you know, all these years later. Um, but what a beautiful path it is. So what was your path prior to that? Um, so I was raised initially in the Lutheran Church. Mm-hmm which, you know, 
kind of jokingly say, that's Catholic light. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and then uh, I was confirmed as mm, probably 12, 12 years old, something like that, in the Lutheran church. Um, and then my parents kind of hopped around a little bit. You know, there was like, oh, well, we went to a non-denominational Christian church for a little mm. while. Um, Good music, I'm sure. It was great music, mm. yeah. Um, and that was we were there for a few years. And then when I met Michael, um, we were high school sweethearts. Um, and him, he was a, uh, well, we knew each other from, I was in seventh grade. He was in eighth grade. And where is this? Where this is uh, Santa Fe, Texas, okay. Galveston County. Um, so we knew each other for a long time, um, in school and then started dating in high school. And so, um, all throughout that time, um, that we knew each other, we were friends. And then when we started dating, it was probably just a couple of months. Michael said, I think I'm going to marry you. And I was like, mm, I'm 16 years old. <laughs> Okay, uh, we'll, we'll see about that. Um, but he was pretty convincing, obviously, because we'll be married 30 years Yay. this July. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. So, um, you know, he said, well, you know, if we do get married, I'm Catholic. And uh, I'd, if we have kids, I wouldn't want to raise them Catholic. How does that sound to you? And I said, well, yeah, that, that, whatever, because mm -hmm. I wasn't very convicted in a, you know, in a lot of ways and toward anything at that point. And so as we, I mean, as we, you were 16. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So who, who really is Not at that, that point? I don't know. Maybe. I, I like, I, you know, there are Saint a Therese. lot of kids who are, but <laughs> I was not at that point. Same. Um, and so as we grew a little older, um, through college and Michael proposed and I said, mm, I'm going to get a little more serious about this. I think I do want to look at the Catholic church. And so um, I did because it became a little more clear to me that what was important was something that was black and white, uh, not gray areas, and mm. not something that was open to interpretation by whoever happened to be the preacher at the time. Um, and so that really um, settled in my heart um, that the Catholic Church was where I could find that. There, it was solid, there was a history, and the answers were there. Mm -hmm. There was a fullness there that I was looking for. At, uh, and you were what age at this time? 20, 20, 20 21. Mm -hmm. And where did you, did you go to RCIA? I did. Or so which? I started going to RCIA at the church that we were married at, Our Lady of Lords in Hitchcock, Texas. Um, and my mother-in-law, who, who became my mother-in-law, was my sponsor, mm -hmm. uh, Michael's mom. Um, so, so they were a Catholic family. They that, were a Catholic family, yes. And in so, every sense of the word. Yes, every <laughs> I sense I mean, of we the were word. too, but not. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I went through RCIA and came into the church, the Easter Vigil, April of, 20, of 1994. Got to do the math real mm -hmm. quick there. Um, 30 years ago this year. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that is just, yeah. it's remarkable. Um, yeah. And so at that point, it wasn't just this pew warmer mentality you were all in. I was, and it wasn't because we were getting married. It was a decision that I made. I wanted to do it, and we happened to be getting married that same year. Mm -hmm. um, and so we were married in that summer following that and moved to San Antonio and continued going to church there. I can't say that I was um, completely on fire. I had a lot to learn, and it wasn't until um, our children came along that it really um, lit a fire said, oh my gosh, we have to be the first catechists. We can't just send our kids to religious education and depend on someone else to be their teacher. We need to do this at home. Um, 
and be really diligent about it. And so we did. Um, we really started diving deeper into the faith, studying more, um, looking into apologetics. And um, that really, um, I think, started stoking um, probably something deeper in Michael's heart, um, too, mm-hmm. that, you know, there's something here, a calling. Um, he had always kind of thought about the priesthood, um, even before we met. Um, in fact, the priest that married us had conferred Michael's other sacraments on him. And at marriage prep, he said, Michael, I had other hopes for you. <laughs> I was like, Father and John, I'm sitting right me here. off when... <laughs> A priest would do that. <laughs> this is my boyfriend. He said, oh, have you considered the priesthood? Wait a minute here. I know. I'm like, You're, we're in marriage prep. I'm sitting right here. <laughs> um, so, you know, he had always had the, a desire um, for something. And so, you know, that, that desire never went away. And probably about mm, six or seven years ago, I guess, he really, really started um, looking deeply at the diaconate. Mm-hmm. Our kids were getting older at that point and it was, you know, knew that, okay, they're going to, there's going to come a time where I'm not quite as involved in their activities as a dad, mm-hmm. you know, school activities and things. And I can, I will have more time to serve as in the yeah, church. You know, I, I wonder if you agree. I think for us, like you go to mass and there's a deacon and you don't really think too much about how did they get there? Mm-hmm. And uh, when this call, and I've used the phrase when we were called, and it's kind of like women can be deacons. No, no, that's not what I mean. Mm-hmm. But it is a calling of the couple and the family or not. It is. But it is. And um, it's a process that a lot of people don't even know. You mean you don't get to be a deacon if you just want to be a deacon and it's this five-year process, really a couple of years before that, as you said, of discernment. And man, that word discernment. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well, we're discerning. Like it makes it sound like this lofty poetic, but it's this hard digging in deep kind of experience. At least it was for us. Mm -hmm. It really is. Because it's a a responsibility of taking on a second vocation. You know, you're not, you have a vocation to married life for most permanent deacons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's taking on that second vocation of an ordination too. Yeah. And there's a, it's a big responsibility. Right. So, so for our listeners who may or may not, who may not know that this process, you uh, probably takes about a year to apply. Correct. Kill a tree. <laughs> yeah. It's a long application. <laughs> yeah. I think it, after Keith's experience, who has never had any social media, barely can do his emails. Now <laughs> they, the change came after that to say you have to be technology, you have to have technology <laughs> prowess mm-hmm. to be able to apply. But, uh, and then once accepted, it's around a five-year process. Right. So that's a very generalized uh, statement. But again, some people may not even know that. So, right. So you said probably seven years. It's probably, it was probably about seven years ago or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know that quite right off the top of my head because it just so happens a day or two ago, Michael was looking back through a journal and he had a prayer that he wrote from about six years ago mm-hmm. that what referenced um, helping, you know, asking God to help him have an open heart if this was a call 
to to look at the diaconate. One, another reason that I think that is important for us to kind of tell our story is that this is an ongoing process. So mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. y'all have been in formation for a year. Yes. There's another class that's just getting, they've had maybe six months, I suppose. So it's a, every three years, there's a new class that starts. And all over the diocese, about every other month or so, there's a meeting at a different area inviting men to come and hear stories to, you know, to start this process. Because a lot of times it comes from an invitation. It comes from within this calling to just, hey, let's check out something different different. Right. Yeah. And for those here in the Brazos Valley, um, you know, we're fortunate that every couple of months, one of the formators will come here and either come here to St. Mary's or come to St. Joseph and meet with you there, which is nice Mm -hmm. because it it is a little bit of a trek um, to go to Austin for the meeting. So we know because we go to class over there. (laughs) Um, So it's nice to have someone come here and visit. Um, and there's usually a deacon and a couple of the, the men that are in formation will be at that meeting for informational and some of the talk and, um, just to kind of, you know, give you some insight, um, a few little nuggets here or there about what it's like to be in formation. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's good to have that, you know, be able to answer questions, um, have somebody that's local to kind of, you know, walk with you. Right. you know, to have that. Right. Uh, Keith and I were the only couple from this area from at least, oh gosh, two hours away to the closest other couple. And interestingly, um, our listeners will hear something from uh, Deacon Robin Waters over in West, who mm-hmm. was also in our, our class. Uh, but, you know, knowing a couple of people who are God willing will be uh, ordained in 2025. Keith and I are a mentor couple for five couples, and y'all have some traveling buddies. Yeah, we do. So the class of 2028, which is the one that um, we're in currently, um, there's three couples here from Bryan College Station, and so we do take that time to travel together when we have to go to um, the different formation classes, and it's really nice to be able to have some people who are in the same situation. Um, and it, it, you know, it's creates opportunity for fun, but also formation and fellowship too. Um, we get to bounce things off of one another. Did I hear that correctly? Did you, did you hear that correctly? (laughs) What did you get out of that? You know, and, and to go deeper and just to create that community, um, with one another. And that's, that's been really, really nice. Um, because it's, you know, you find um, the the fellowship really, really is helpful. Um, no one yeah. knows that I, I had a posse like no other of close friends who surrounded us in prayer. And every we would have class on Saturday, usually on Monday, I would meet with, you know, some of my longtime uh, spiritual friends and discuss the topic yeah. and things like that. But it's essential to talk to somebody who's been through that journey absolutely it's, uh, amazing so yeah y'all uh discern we, together and we do move yeah. forward and we've put together just amongst the wives in the class too we have a you know a group message that you know that we can pray for one another you know things come up with our families you know we can pray for those things together so it's it's a close you know even though there's 28 i think right now um it's a close-knit group mm-hmm. still 
you know, we know about what's going on. There's been some, you know, death in families. And so we've been able to pray for those things for each other already, um, which is beautiful. You know, people that we didn't know a year mm-hmm. ago. Um, and, and it brings the, the diocese closer yes. together. It creates, you know, our Catholic world is really very small um, <laughs> once you get to know the people in it. I, uh, Father Brian Eilers, our pastor at St. Joseph, is in Italy right now and Mm -hmm. um, somebody's posting pictures and looking at that deacon and I was like that's Deacon Tim who was in our class so I suppose they have a relationship Mm -hmm. from other parishes Mm -hmm. and things like that so uh, one year in um, it's kind of I remember seeing uh, Joe and Jennifer Pettibon a couple of years ago after Mm -hmm. they had finished their first year and it's just kind of like what what are your thoughts what what went the way you thought it would? What was a eye opener? What was a blessing? And we're not going to say anything negative, probably, right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Off the air. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been it's been really beautiful. Um, there have been a lot of really great um, speakers. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been blessed with some. You know amazing deacons that have come from, you know, even out of state Mm -hmm. um, that have been brought in to speak to us. And um, I don't want to make anybody jealous, Um, (laughs) but we had a full weekend with Father Timothy Gallagher. (laughs) It was amazing. (laughs) It was awesome. Um, And so that was, that was just a huge blessing. Um, But the formation that we've gotten from each and every one of those um, individuals has been top notch. Um, so that that just speaks to the importance of the formation that deacons get and and the wives, you know, and, you know, right alongside of them. Um, it's important, um, you know, that we're, you know, we're exposed to the same things that they are. Um, not that it's a training to become a deaconess or anything like that. That doesn't <laughs> exist, by the way. Right. Um, but um, it's just important that we have that knowledge to, number one, to walk alongside them um, in their journey, um, to support them. Um, we have a lot of conversations at home uh, about the different things that we have. But um, myself, as a spiritual director, I value that knowledge. And, and uh, you know, I, I use it you know, in what I do through spiritual direction as well, mm-hmm. in particularly the discernment of yeah. spirits. I, uh, that was, was so fruitful. Our beginning in formation really flipped our roles uh, of ministry because for 20 years I had been a pastoral musician, uh, very involved in the music over at St. Anthony's and also a youth minister uh, in different capacities. Uh, Keith, of course, was involved in both of those, but... He was generally watching the kids while I was playing music and vice versa. So uh, we thought, you know, long and hard about how much time this was going to take. We own our own business. Um, We worked really hard to get rid of some debt. And thank God we did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so far, I haven't picked up much of it back. Um, But we we realized how much time it was going to take. And um, for me... It was an amazing growth in our marriage when I learned, and maybe you knew this from day one, I don't know, but to truly will the very best for my husband and what that meant throughout diaconate formation. 
it was explosive. Mm -hmm. It was our communication level skyrocketed. um, And I mean, it wasn't like a flash of light. It was a process, but over the duration of it and still to this day, our communication is just so much better through this uh, process of the diaconate formation. I'm so grateful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That is, that has been really, really good. Um, Michael's been, you know, very open. He's, we've always had really good communication with one another, but he's very open to desiring to know um, where I see um, growth or if I see something that, you know, maybe you need to work on this. Um, which he's never he's never said, you know, before, I, I want to know what you think about this. I mean, he's he's always kind of, you know, been interested, but he's very interested mm-hmm. in that now. What do you think? You know, what do you see? Um, and that's been really, really helpful and really good for him to, you know, want that feedback um, because he's taken it to heart, you know, and wanting to wanting to really know, am I growing? Am I, you know, stalling? Am I... You know, stepping back, what's happening? Well, and those, um, those are just some things that they can write a paper and they can meet oh, with sure. their spiritual director and they mm-hmm. can meet with the formators. But really, you can, like a CB radio, you can you can be whoever, boy, that tells my age, doesn't it? You can be whoever you want to be, social media or whatever, yeah. but yeah. nobody knows it like your spouse and seeing True. the time commitment or the struggle or mm-hmm. the the benefits and the beauty, the beauty of it and um, seeing seeing the fruit of now that Keith is ordained, now mm-hmm. that we have been in ministry for uh, approaching two years, to see that bear fruit in his ministry and his gifts expressed through the ministry, it's just so beautiful. And so I'm just so grateful yeah. to be a part of that. Um, you you mentioned, I don't want to shift gears quicker than you may be ready to, but I do want to uh, talk about your training as a spiritual director Mm -hmm. likely was as intense as formation or let's talk about that. I I, I may be assuming things that aren't true. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so, um, you know, I feel like I'm never going to get out of school Mm -hmm. a bit, you know, went to school, went to college, then I was a teacher. Um, and then I went to school again, and then I went to college. <laughs> I feel like I'm never getting out of school um, because I did go to um, training. Um, it, for, it was a two-year program. I ended up doing it in three because COVID hit and I had to go mm-hmm. back to work for a little bit. Um, so I did training through Divine Mercy University in Virginia for um, a certification for spiritual direction. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't something that um, I initially sought out myself um i through my own spiritual director i said i've I've noticed um in conversations with people not even conversations that i sought out people would just say well you you know they would just unload their problems and and i'd never asked for it they would just sit down and just tell me their problems and i was like "Mm, okay yeah and they said well i don't know why i just told you all of that I said, "Mm, I don't either. (laughs) And uh, they said, you're just so easy to talk to. And my spiritual director said, ah, you're you're a good listener. And I said, "Mm, okay. And she said, maybe you should look into spiritual direction. And I said, "Mm, I don't know about that. I'm not really sure. Even, so I I did. 
I looked into spiritual direction because after a few years of her telling me this. How long had you had a spiritual director at that point? Mm, probably about four years. Uh-huh. Always yeah. the same person as well? Mm, actually, no. Mm-hmm. No, I one of my first spiritual director ended up having to step away for a bit. And so I sought out a new person. Um, and so I'd been with this person for probably about a year. And she had been telling me, you should probably look into mm-hmm. becoming a spiritual director. And I was resistant to it for a little bit. It's like, I can't possibly have a gift for that. No, no. And so I finally gave in and said, okay, Lord, if this is really something you're nudging me to do, present the right program to me. And so I, I looked into a program and I had to go through an application process and an interview process with a priest. And he said, okay, yeah, you're in. Mm. And I was like, okay, I don't really feel worthy. And he's like, oh, that's perfect. Good. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, my eyes are kind of wide open right now. Um, probably in about the middle of formation, they, uh, the diocese has spiritual directors, the Austin diocese, mm-hmm. and they yeah. have training here as well. And I was just like, you have got to be kidding, God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm just having a hard time keeping up with just going to Keith's classes and helping him um in that aspect and so i said if if like maybe this is kind of bold you know if if god can tell me uh maybe or yes but not now can i say that back to him so <laughs> it may be in my future i, I don't know but yeah. um I, I had to really learn what spiritual direction was all about because i i thought you had to be a certain area in your journey to say okay now you're ready for spiritual direction Mm. and it just couldn't be further from the truth wounded healers (laughs) on the austin diocese website if you can go to cedar break Mm -hmm. that's Mm b-r-a-k-e at austindiocese.org you can send them an email and they will send you a list of spiritual directors in your area if you're wanting to get spiritual direction. Correct. Yeah, yes, I had someone true. text me two days ago right after we had yep. uh, decided to do this, and I said, well, I, I know a few personally, but I imagine there's a way to go through the diocese to do that. There so, is, yes. They uh, do have a so list available. Perhaps if you're ready for someone to call you, you could give the. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have some contact information right, for Becky yeah. uh, on, the, on that. So um, it was a two-year process. Right. So the the program that I did was, um, it was a two-year process, and um, the Divine Mercy University has, um, their main focus are degrees in um, master's and um, PhDs in psychology, um, clinical psychology, and so when they began doing the spiritual direction certification, it had an influence from uh, those degrees in human sciences along with spiritual direction, because, you know, their philosophy is we're not just a spiritual being where a whole person, mind, body, and soul, right? Um, and so there's not really a separation uh, when it comes to our spiritual journey. Um, that does not mean that someone with a spiritual direction certification is a psychologist by any means. Um, and there's definitely boundaries to be had from spiritual direction to, to therapists and things like that. Um, so it's good for a spiritual director to know what those boundaries are and same thing with a psychologist to know, okay, this is probably something for a spiritual director and a spiritual director to know this is probably something for a therapist. Um, and it's okay for them to work together if the person chooses for that to happen mm-hmm. as well. Um, so my certification is in spiritual direction from that university. And it's great um, to have that background in you know, human development. 
um, that went along, you know, in the coursework and, um, you know, attachments and emotional things that we go through um, because those do affect our spiritual journey. Um, But, you know, the bottom line is someone's spiritual journey is a, it's a privileged place. It's a holy place, you know, that um, a spiritual director is a guest, um, you know, invited to walk along that path um, and just kind of observe um, God's movement in that person's heart. Mm. Um, and sometimes the person's not able to see that on their own. And so it, it, it sometimes just takes the invitation of that third party to, you know, kind of notice and then ask questions um, and get them to, you know, reflect on what's happening and maybe go deeper into that. And that person's just there to guide them. Well, you answered my next. Uh, okay. Take us through, you know, <laughs> someone's out there listening right now uh, and has some of these questions. Um, mm-hmm. A beautiful description of what that could look like. Uh, spiritual direction, meeting with someone on the first. Because, you know, as great as you are, you might not be a good meet uh, match for that True. person. Um, exactly. Yeah. So um, I usually, especially with someone new, um, we want to always make sure that, you know, we give each other a trial period. Mm-hmm. You know, we meet, you get to know me, I get to know you. And um, we stayed up front, you know, that let's try each other out for a little bit. You know, kind of like a lot of things, sometimes we want to make sure that there's a return policy mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because we may not be a good match yeah. and that's okay. There is no shame, no fault <laughs> in that. Um, you know, we might walk the journey for a little bit and we say, well, you know, this is just not the path right now. And that's perfectly fine. There might be a spiritual director who is better suited. And that's okay because we state that up front. There's nobody going to be hurt by that. You're not hurt and I'm not hurt. Well, I think a lot of things about spiritual direction and formation, we've learned, you know, you take some person, we all learn differently. Exactly. We all pray differently. Mm -hmm. We all have different spiritualities and uh, how that matches up. My spiritual director is a deacon's wife. Mm. It didn't, and (laughs) she just, it was the craziest of meetings of her because all the spiritual directors, when I was discerning, I knew them already. Right. And I wanted a clean slate. I wanted to tell my own story. I mm-hmm. wanted to. So I was just kind of praying about, mm, Lord, I need to meet someone that I don't know. Yeah. And yeah, that's good. They uh, moved from St. Thomas Aquinas to St. Anthony's and she wanted to start some spiritual direction and. They said, well, you could use that office, but it's Judy, so check it out. And I was like, I don't have an office, but involving with youth (laughs) ministry, that's how we got together. And um, so we did. And now we've probably been meeting for eight or nine years and have been through thick and thin on both of our, Mm -hmm. uh, her husband passed away about six months ago and we took a break. We had to do zoom during uh, right. covid yeah. we've been through a whole lot together but and still you know so okay well do you want to meet again next week next month yes i do mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah no that's good that's good and there's you know there's a lot of good spiritual friendships yeah. too you know and there's a you know i think there can be a, a difference between spiritual friendships and spiritual directors you know directorship mm-hmm. you know relationships um where, you know, 
there one you know a, a spiritual director you know can kind of draw that boundary that you know we can have a relationship here but maybe not always outside of this um just because you want to protect the person and you want to protect your boundaries as well initially when i became a spiritual director um just like any new person, you know, new to a, a job, so to speak, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to kind of develop, um, develop your ways of, of operating. And um, I always, I thought, you know, oh, this is the way you know, I'm going to do it. These times I'm going to do it. These days I'm going to do this population, you know. Um, and I tried to stick to that. Um, didn't always work out that way. <laughs> That's who the Lord brought to me. Mm-hmm. And then I found out the Lord was bringing really difficult stories really difficult cases and um i found out that a lot of people have really difficult stories or really mm-hmm. difficult cases and it began to weigh on me a lot you know and i thought wow is this what it's going to be like and you know i would go home and just kind of sit outside for a bit and you know it would just kind of sit on my shoulders you know and i thought i don't know if i can do this interesting and then um I initially did a lot of um, kind of supervision, you know, with other, other, you know, spiritual directors and kind of someone guiding that. Hmm. And they said, you know, you can't carry the cross for people. Christ carries the cross. And I was like, oh, yeah. You know, it's not for me to bear the, the weight after that. You know, just turn it over to prayer for the person, you know, give it back to Christ. And I was like, you know, that's such a really good thing because, you know, I pray for them. I pray for all of my spiritual directees. Um, and, you know, while I think about them or think about their story or think about what we talked about or I think about maybe what I might ask, what I might ask next time or what I could have, you know, how I could improve as a spiritual director, I don't always allow the stories to, you know, deep into my heart to the, you know, the way on me mm-hmm. any longer. It doesn't mean I'm not affected. Um, but I turn it over to Christ and allow him kind of that equal yoke, you know, um, allow him to carry that any, you know, with me. And it doesn't, doesn't weigh as heavily any longer. So it, it does allow me to go forward mm-hmm. and continue serving, um, which is, I think is, is a better, healthier way of being a spiritual director because it doesn't depend on me. Yeah. It's it's Christ's You work. use the term uh, established boundaries. And if I would describe the most beneficial thing that I have gained from my mm. years of, uh, granted, she's had to call me down out of the tower with my lo- gun loaded, you know, <laughs> <laughs> other things like that. But during a particular time of struggle, that gift of saying you need to establish some boundaries. Mm-hmm. It was like my world lit up. And, you know, you are allowing this incident to happen to you. Yeah. If you, And so establishing boundaries, it has been the best advice I've ever received and the best advice that I can give to other people. You know, you can see it. You can see a way this happened to me and I allowed it. Right. It's so to think about it on the other hand that, you know, you establish boundaries right. as the director. Mm-hmm. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah. Well, when you so know it's not all about me. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> when, when you know, like okay, ahead of time, even this is my boundary. 
this is how far I'm willing to go, then there's freedom because you know where the edge is, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah, then I'm free to act within that. And I'm like, I don't, I don't have to worry about it because I know that there's, there's an edge. There's yeah. How old are your kids? 26, okay. almost 26, and uh, 22. No, you don't seem old enough to have children that age. Thank but anyways, you. that's <laughs> kind of comparative to some of mine and having adult married kids, now adult married mm-hmm. parents and yeah. things like that. About to, I'm about to be a grandma. Baby. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. I've been praying for y'all and I didn't even know yeah. it. Good deal. Yeah. When? Uh, next month. Oh, my goodness. I know. Girl, you need to come shopping in my uh, <laughs> in my spare <laughs> We don't know right what now. it's going to be. Oh, I love that. Uh-huh. We didn't we didn't ever find yeah. that either. So um, as we come to, we have about five more minutes. Uh, you have a beautiful little journal there and I things know. opened up. And I, I said, you know, she might want to say something that I haven't asked her yet. <laughs> well, I was just looking um, through, you know, thinking about when you sent me a message and said we were going to do this today. It, it prompted me to go back through kind of over the year of the formation that we've had so far. And I was like, you know, there was a lot of great things that I wrote down. Um, There were a lot of great presenters is what I really (laughs) meant. And I wrote down a lot of really good nuggets that they said. Um, And as I said before, you know, we stand on the shoulders of great giants. Yes, indeed. I think my greatest talent is surrounding myself by very talented people. Exactly, exactly. And I was like, oh, there was a lot of really cool stuff. I made notes, you know, for myself mostly. Um, But, you know, I I referenced earlier, you know, that we're wounded healers. And that was something that um, that was from one of the speakers that we had, um, Joelle Marin. She's an author um, and she lives in Austin or around Austin, mm-hmm. um, she wrote Master of the Pieces. She's actually going to be our speaker um, in May at Our Lady's Brunch nice. um, at St. Joseph. Um, but she she talked about, um, you know, perseverance and to keep going, and that we're all wounded healers. And I thought, oh, that was really good. And since she's going to be here in, in Bryan in May, I thought, let me give her a little plug. Um and then one of the things that Deacon James Keating, he was one of our first oh, speakers, wrote a lot of books. That was a real turning point for yeah. us when we experienced his retreat. Yeah, he was really good. He was quite a hoot, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but there was a quote in here that I wrote down, and maybe that's just the thing maybe we can, I can end on. Um, it was about gratitude. Gratitude deepens the gifts of the ordinary and turns them into worship. And I thought, yeah. We could chew on that. For yes, a long, we could. Long time. And I think four signs of a dynamic Catholic was gratitude, study, but yeah, you know, everything. In my opinion, everything springboards off of gratitude. Gratitude. Yeah. Everything because with, when you have a super grateful heart, you're very generous yeah. in ways that in the ordinary. Yeah. You know, just with the everyday ordinary things, just to be grat- grateful for them, mm-hmm. and then it just takes us into worship. Yeah. Great. So um, we've talked for about 40 minutes about diaconate formation and about spiritual direction. And what would you say to someone who's listening right now about either one of those uh, as an encouragement? And how can we how can we get a hold of you, Becky? Um, I may or may not want to say your contact number over the air, but we can have it listed up on our website. Well, actually, you know, when Caleb mentioned the uh, list from Cedar Break, Mm -hmm. um, I'm on that list. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Um, so when, if you're interested in, um, depending upon your area in the Austin diocese, um, when you reach out to them, um, Brian Egan is the contact there. Um, he will ask what area. Such a sociable guy. Yeah. I mean, you feel like you're best friends with him when you call him. Yes. Um, he'll, he will ask, you know, where are you at? And he'll send you a section of the list based upon your area in the diocese. And so, um. But I'm on that list there, and there's different, you know, directors that are here in in the area here, um, and they have either their email or their phone number that are that's on that list mm-hmm. um, to get in contact with them. Yeah. Um, but um, as far as spiritual direction, you know, um, actually Pope Francis says everyone needs a spiritual director, and I just kind of go, uh-huh. there's not enough to go around. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if you have felt a call ever. Um, Maybe you thought somebody told you, you know, oh, you should be a spiritual director. And he's like, no, I'm not equipped. Well, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you've ever had someone tell you, you know, you're a really good listener or you have really great empathy, you know, it's not a bad idea to maybe look into something. The diocese has a training for that. There's lots of different um, religious organizations that have spiritual direction type training. Um, look into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you're outside of the Diocese of Austin or watching on YouTube or something, check out your diocese website. A lot of dioceses have a spiritual direction webpage where you can find that mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it really yeah. is the greatest gift you can give yourself to. It is. Because uh, no, no one needs to sit still in our faith. We, we need to constantly, I mean, there are times of calm, and but growth is just so important. Yeah. So it important is. for it us. Is. So I want to thank you, Becky. Then that fly by me. so quicker it did. than we thought it, it would. And uh, thank all of our listeners for being here. Want to wish our director, Dennis Maka, some improvement in his health and go and make disciples. All this I can-